Shabbat Shalom. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Habakkuk. It's chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It's the entire chapter. So the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounded the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than, than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like the sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap on earthen, earth, earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes, and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of pure eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on the wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours? A person more righteous than he. Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet. Because by them their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful, shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? Uh, how many have had sermons or Bible studies in the book of Habakkuk? Oh, okay. All right, well, it's a wonderful book. But first of all, I want to tell you a bit about yesterday. Um, was uh, my mother's sixth yurtzeit, which means the anniversary of her passing away. And uh, I went to the cemetery and placed a stone on, on the gravestone and uh, recited the Kaddish. Both of those are traditionally uh, Jewish customs. And um, just a, a bit off tangent here, let me mention to you that there is value in traditional uh, customs because sometimes it provides a healthy path for us to follow in the grieving process. And so 
Um, we like to encourage folks who are part of Yeshua Tzion, whether you're Jewish or not, um, that when you have the anniversary of the passing of a loved one, that you let us know so that we can honor their memory with you and recite the Kaddish. Um, there's a lot to be said, and I believe God uses that as part of the healing uh, process for us who have lost loved ones. But um, I have to tell you, it's taken me uh, a while to have positive memories about or positive thoughts about coming to the cemetery. My usual approach had been as I was driving to the cemetery, I would grit my teeth and I would say, I hate this place. Um, there are a number of reasons for that. I don't imagine most of us really like to come to cemeteries and, uh, and celebrate. It's difficult under best of circumstances. And for my mother, um, the last few years were difficult. She was diagnosed as uh, with Alzheimer's. And so the last four years actually were were really difficult. And if you have had a loved one who has been diagnosed as Alzheimer's, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But my mother was a, uh, a woman of the Word of God. She loved the Word of God. She studied the Bible. She prayed. And, um, and yet she struggled with what the Bible said. Um, for example, in Psalm 103, where the psalmist says, Bless the Lord who heals all my diseases. My mother's attitude would be, Lord, um, heal my disease already. And the other biggie for, for her was the fact that, that the Lord had not returned after a couple thousand years. And one scripture gave her fits was the book of Hebrews where it states, you need to persevere so when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And her uh, striving and uh, fussing with the Lord. Uh, and by the way, when she passed, our standard response was, well, she's giving the Lord the business now. She would say, uh, what is this just a very little while? And, and so... I'm mentioning all of that because it's such a, for me, a potent reminder of the fact that all of us struggle with questions that are perplexing, that don't seem to have ready answers. And for us who are people of prayer, we pray and pray and pray, and there are times when it seems that God does not provide ready answers. This is what we find in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk in Hebrew. Um, it's clear, this man clearly is a man of God. And what we see here is a bit of a diary uh, of Habakkuk where he and the Lord were having this dialogue. And it's fascinating 
um, as you see that, you recognize that for a while uh, Habakkuk is fussing with the Lord, as it were, and and uh, saying, Lord, what's going on here? And the Lord answering him. And then Habakkuk comes back and says, Lord, what's going on? And fussing with the Lord some more. Then eventually at some point, he gets it. He gets it. The, the light bulb goes on in his mind and he gets it. And so chapter 3 of this book, you don't have this quetching and complaining with God, against God, but rather you have this the whole chapter is a psalm of praise. Lord, you're cool. You're awesome. I love you. Somewhat in the vein of what you find in, in the book of Psalms. He learns to rest in the fact that maybe, maybe, maybe God has things under control. And he comes to a place where he worships God. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle, folks. That's part of reality. And maybe I have a sick sense of humor, but I sure love these kind of passages in Scripture because they suggest to me that the men and women who are portrayed in, in, the, in the Bible, in the Word of God, were real, live human beings with their ups and downs. You know, if all we would see in the Bible would be these awesome incredible uh, folks who press forward, never had a, a difficult day, uh, my inclination would be to take this wonderful book and to close it because it would not relate to me. But it does. Aren't you glad? Yes? No? Isaac and I have just a bit more. Maybe it's my... Um, Senior moment-itis. But Habakkuk begins right from the beginning. And some translations, by the way, have it, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. The Hebrew word there is the burden. Masa, huge difference. What does that tell you? It tells you that Habakkuk was someone who as an intercessor who was coming before God and praying for his people, and, and as a prophet who then took the word of God and communicated it to his people, you see that this man struggled with a burden of having, his, having the nation um, on a train, on a freight train that seemed to be going downhill with no brakes. Apparently, Habakkuk lived roughly about the same time that Jeremiah did. And, and the northern kingdom of Israel was taken away into exile by, by the Assyrians. And the southern portion of Judah was still around, but it was getting corrupt and rotten to the core. So much so that we find one of the last kings, Manasseh, was worse than the pagan nations around him. And Habakkuk and also Jeremiah knew from what God had related to, to them that he was going to judge the nation severely by bringing the Babylonians and having the nation 
hauled off into exile, just like the northern section, uh, the people of Israel were hauled off in, into Assyria. It's a burden, folks. And that is why the first chapter seems to be somewhat like a diary. It's kind of strange for a prophet to be writing uh, a diary, you know. God and I had this conversation, this dialogue. This is what I said to God, and this is what God said to me. In chapter 2, it's clear that it takes a different form, that it, it is to be written down and communicated to everybody else. But in chapter 1, it seems to be this, this dialogue that is preserved for us. And, and you see... Habakkuk struggling with God and saying, Lord, how long? How long must I call for help? But you do not listen. Now remember, this guy is a prophet. He's a man of God. And there are a couple of Hebrew words there. One is um, the word for call, shivati, literally has a sense of, Lord, I am crying out to you and the other word that is also translated cry has an even stronger sense of Lord I'm screaming to you I'm screaming to you and you don't seem to listen you see the anguish there the struggle the desperation then on top of that, in verse 3, he says, Lord, not only do I cry out to you because of the things that I, I can already see, but to make things, to make matters worse, you bring me and, and you sort of give me a heightened perspective. It's as if you give me an x-ray vision to see what I don't want to see that I already know. Why do you make me look at injustice? The Hebrew there has a sense of, Lord, why do you cause me to grasp what I don't want to grasp anymore? I've had it. And I would say for most of us, there will be a very strong temptation to say, I'm out of here. Who needs this? I'm, I, I have better things to do. I do not want a burden. I have enough burdens, thank you. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit praying. I'm going to quit talking to God because he doesn't seem to want to answer. Especially why questions. And by the way, as you read scripture, you see that God is the one who asks the why questions as a form of drawing people out there are very few examples in Scripture where people ask why questions and most of the time God doesn't respond to why questions, you know. Because He is God, He seems to be narrow-minded. He doesn't see the need to be squeezed into our mold and to do exactly what we want, you know. So we struggle. We struggle. And the neat thing here, the precious thing, is that the story of Habakkuk gives us the permission, in a sense, to do just that and to struggle with God respectfully and say, Lord, what is going on here? 
Would you please give me perspective? Would you please open my eyes? I seem to be clueless. I can relate to that. I imagine at least one or two other folks here can relate to that. Yes? And what is special, folks, is the fact that God doesn't live, leave him on a hook. Particularly since he is a prophet and he needs to be the one who knows and understands the word of God so that he can communicate it. In verse 5, although you may not see it in your, in your translation, in verse 5 you have a shift from Habakkuk, the first four verses. Now in verse 5 you have a shift. God is the one who is speaking and he's not just speaking to Habakkuk, but he's speaking to Habakkuk as a representative of the entire nation. Look, Habakkuk and, and the people of Judah. Be utterly amazed. This is verse 5. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. I'm around. I'm in control. I care deeply for you. And I know what's going on. And yes, I will act in a way that is visible that you can see, although I have not been quiet and I have not been passive all this time, I have been acting behind the scenes in a way that you don't get. And my, and my answer is going to blow your mind. However, what I have to say, my answer to you, is not going to be what you're looking for. And this is where we get frustrated. You know, we pray, we ask God, okay, God, uh, I have this particular need and it's defined this way and, and would you please give me, supply the need just precisely the way I lay it out. And again, what you find is because the Lord is sovereign, because the Lord is in control, because He is God, he is not someone that we can fit into a little box that is convenient and when we need God, we can pull him out and then when we're done with needing him, we put him back in the box. That sometimes seems to be the way we approach God and, and the Lord says, yes, I'm hearing. Yes, I know what's going on. Yes, I'm in control. And yes, I'm going to answer, but in a way that is surprising to you that's going to blow your mind now to give you a little bit of clue what was happening um, the society that Jew, the, the society in Judah was utterly corrupt they were worshipping idols they were ripping each other off they were killing people it was an absolutely miserable kind of society morally and spiritually And Habakkuk was deeply disturbed by that. He cried out to God and said, Lord, please change it. And the Lord says, yes, I will. And I'm going to raise the big bad bears, the Babylonians, to come and fix things. And oh, by the way, Habakkuk, in, just in case you don't realize, let me remind you who these guys are. Verse 6 of chapter 1. They are feared and dreaded. They're ruthless and impetuous. 
They're allowed to themselves. They promote their own, their own honor. They fly like a vulture. They're all bent on violence. And the word for violence there, by the way, is Hamas. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. And that the worst part of it, they sweep past like the wind and go on guilty men whose strength is their God. In other words, you, you've seen these type of folks who basically have the attitude of, I don't need God. I've got me. And I can fix things. I can take care of things. I will take care of the problem. Their strength is their own God. And of course, what they do typically is that they sweep and they leave all kinds of destruction in their wake. You know, we lived in Israel for a while as I was growing up. And we had these desert winds called chamsin that would come from the desert and would sweep with sand and, and would... Be, would essentially obscured the sun and uh, it was not only the sand it was also the fact that it was exceptionally hot and this is what the Lord is describing the Babylonians saying to Habakkuk I'm well aware and what's going on here is there is a severe problem I'm going to have to provide a severe remedy I have the power, I will implement changes. And you know, for us, sometimes we feel powerless because we look at, at the world, we look at our government, and, and we feel powerless to effect any changes. And it gets discouraging, sometimes depressing, and, and then we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, you are bigger than all of that. You're bigger than the mess that is going on with our government, with other governments, with the economies, etc., etc. And then part of this dialogue, to, to come back to Habakkuk, is Habakkuk is struggling. He's saying, Lord... Uh, What's going on here? Yes, I asked you for an answer. And you are giving me an answer that doesn't make a particle of sense. Could you not come up with better tools? The Babylonians are worse than we are. They're so clueless. They, in fact, in, in, in this section... This last section, verses 16 and 17, he basically says, therefore, he sacrifices to his net. Think about the, the picture. It's like bowing down and, and having an altar to the net and burns incense to the dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Again, the same sort of a mindset that basically says, I am the one who makes things happen, sort of the Invictus mindset. I'm the captain of my fate. 
And so we, we are somewhat like Habakkuk in that we sometimes get answers from God that we don't like because they don't fit our particular mold. And we forget the simple fact that, that the Lord loves us, that the Lord is in control, that God knows exactly what He's doing, that He's working out a plan. And Habakkuk is struggling. He's saying, Lord, you gave me half an answer. You gave me half an answer. I do not like this. And what is special about this man is that he doesn't bail out. He doesn't walk away from God and say, Lord, I've had it. I've had it. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And instead of answering me according to the way I needed it, you give me answers that don't make any sense that are more difficult than what the problem was originally. Or at least that's the way it seems to me. And yet, Habakkuk says, I will stand on my guard post and I will station myself. I will keep watch to see what God will speak to me and how I may reply when I reprove does not bail out on God. He says, Lord, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait. And what is special here is that God then speaks to him and, and gives him answers. And somehow, in the process, in the process, somehow things click. And you know, it's the same situation with Job. Job had all kinds of suffering had his kids taken his wealth taken and he was scraping his boils with shards of clay and he is having these big long dialogues with God and by the way if you haven't read the book of Job let me encourage you it will be highly depressing for much of the reading and then at the end you see that things really open up God doesn't give Job answers. But in the process of Job relating to, to God, he gets it. He gets it. He gets the fact that the Lord loves him and that the Lord is, is at work. The same thing happens with, with Habakkuk. And you know, sometimes God sees fit to give us answers. that meet those needs according to what he considers best for us. Amen. In other words, it's according to our pay grade God sees necessary to reveal secrets to us. <clears throat> I love Psalm 25. The Lord confides in those who fears him and literally the secrets of the Lord belong to those who fear or reverence Him. 
You see that a number of places in Scripture. For example, with, with Abraham, as Abraham was <clears throat> interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah and especially for his nephew Lot, the Lord just says, Look, Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? In Abraham's case, it was clearly the need for Abraham to know. Same thing with Habakkuk. Verse 2 of chapter 2. The Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In other words, write it down and get it so that it runs, becomes viral. To use a uh, internet expression, get the message out, and here is what's going on. And then the Lord adds a couple of statements that really grab me. Chapter 2 of Habakkuk, verse 3 For the revelation <clears throat> awaits an, an appointed time. Did you catch that last word, appointed time? In Scripture, there are a couple of words for time. There's the time like the clock kind of time. We say, okay, it's 12.15 and I wish that the preacher would be finished already. And then there is the appointed time, which is, in a sense, God's calendar, God's daytimer. Where things seem to to go and go and go and nothing seems to happen, then God's alarm clock rings and He springs into action. At least as far as our perception goes, He's been active all along, but... The alarm clock goes off and he springs into action and he does what he does. That that is what scripture means when it speaks about the appointed time. And the Lord says to him, learn to wait for the appointed time to come about. That is part of the growth and maturation in faith is learning to trust God and wait in patient faith. Now what does it mean to wait in patient faith? You know, when you think of patience, you think of something passive. You think of, of lying down and saying, okay, whatever, do it to me. Um, I'll take whatever you dish out. Very passive kind of an approach. But in Scripture, patient faith is actually active. We say, God, you have spoken to me, and I believe you, and I'm going to take your word with both hands and both feet, and I'm going to wait on you for your word to become actualized, to become real on the ground so that I can see it. Because I know who you are, and I'm going to depend on you in confident expectation. And yes, there are times when I kvetch. And yes, there are times when I 
have dialogue with you. But basically, the basic direction that I have is that I'm pressing forward in a direction that you have outlined for me in confident expectation, in, in faith. By the way, the, the words that are used here in Hebrew are the same words that are used in the 13 articles of faith, the Jewish 13 articles of faith, particularly regarding the Messiah. I believe in perfect faith in the coming of the Mashiach. And even though he tarry, I will still wait for him. Exactly the same kind of language. Patient, confident faith. And then the Lord follows this up by saying, See, he, the Babylonians, is puffed up. His desires are not upright, crooked. But the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. What does that mean? It means that faith, again, is not something passive, but it has an attitude of trusting God and being faithful in our actions. Being faithful in our actions. David Stearns in the Complete Jewish Bible translates it as trusting faithfulness. In other words, you trust God and you hang in there. And what the Lord is saying to Habakkuk is that is how the righteous shall live. In other words, that's how they're sustained that's how they live out their life. That is how they're characterized. And this is so, so many times this is so difficult for us because we live in a world that has supposedly instant answers. You know, you, especially with the internet, you need something, get on the internet, boom, 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 in, in a couple of clicks if your computer is cooperating, of course. You get something. You watch TV and, and, and it, for me, it's mind-blowing when I see the shows that, that my grandson watches and all the instant action coming from all kinds of different directions. And so as you read Scripture, it is so foreign for us, the notion of being patient and persevering and waiting on God We just don't get it. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 tells us, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Here is again my dear mother's favorite verse, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Shrinking back has to do with the fact that you have tried and, and things get difficult and you say, I'm out of here. And yes, we struggle, folks. I'm sure that every single person here 
has some questions that are perplexing, that are difficult, that don't seem to have a ready answer. If you're a believer and follower of, of Yeshua, you have a relationship with God, you know that God answers prayer. Your MO, your approach is, is to knock on God's door and say, God, are you listening to me? Just like Habakkuk. And God, because He fashioned us and knows uh, how we are wired, communicates to us. He knows exactly what is our language, what is our cell number, and He finds ways to communicate to us. And then we hear, and the answers we get sometimes are not the answers we're looking for. But if we know and understand the nature of God, the character of God, His love for us, His sovereign control, His power, then we say, okay, Lord, You have answers to every single need with which I struggle. And I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to trust You. I'm going to look to You. I'm going to seek Your answers for those particular needs. And then see it happen. See it happen. And that's the joy of, and the blessing of seeing the work of God and learning to grow in maturation and closeness to our Lord. I'm sure as you've been listening, you probably are fast forward fast forwarding to your own life to your own situation let me encourage you today as as we're closing we're going to spend some time in worship let me encourage you as we do that 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 you have some dialogue with god you yourself have some dialogue with god and say lord where are you i've i've been Wanting answers. I've been looking to you for answers. Do you have answers for me? And yes, I'm willing to receive your kind of answers. Because I know they're best. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, that through all the circumstances of life, through all the difficulty, through all the challenges, Lord God, you're there. That when we walk through the deep waters, they, they do not overwhelm us. Lord God, that you know better than we do those kind of questions that we struggle with. And Lord God, we pray for the measure of faith for each one of us, Lord, to look to you in confident expectation and wait on you, Lord God, to hear your voice, to hear your message, to take your message, to act on it. 
to receive the blessing that you have for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and ask all this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.